What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Run the Damn Pod. After an off-season-long hiatus, I am officially back, and I'm here with my co-host, Darth Cowboy. I'm your host, Jordan. Looking forward to getting back in the swing of college football season and breaking down all of the exciting action for you guys. Getting into some preseason action here. Today, I'm going to take a look at the top five teams in the recently released coaches poll give us a best-case scenario, a worst-case scenario, an X-factor, and a prediction for each of those teams. Hoping to get all the way through the top 25, but this is not my day job, so we'll have to see how that goes. We're at least going to get through the top five today and keep going through the top 10 and hopefully the top 25 as we wrap up the offseason here. Also going to start a new segment today called Betting with Becker. This is not betting advice. I do have to state that off the top, but my boy Will Becker does have some great takes on some hot lines and stuff for the upcoming Week 1 games, so we'd love to shout those out, give you guys my take on them, see where I think those games are going. So without further ado, hopping right into things, if you caught the news, the coaches poll did come out earlier this week, and your top five looks about as expected. So we've got Alabama at number one. Got Ohio State at number two. They did receive, I think, five first place votes. UGA at number six. The defending national champs received one first place vote. Number four, we have Clemson in a bit of a surprise. And even more surprising, maybe, we have Notre Dame with first year head coach Marcus Freeman at number five, rounding out the top five. So, going to give you guys kind of a breakdown into each of those teams. Like I said, what I see is their best case scenario, their worst case scenario, who I think an X factor on the team is, and my prediction for them. So starting off here with Alabama. Best case scenario, obviously 15-0 national champions. This team returns so much production on both offense and defense. They Got one of the top transfers in college football in Jermaine Burton to help try and replace the gap left by Jamison Williams and John Mechie at receiver. They've got reigning Heisman champion, or Heisman winner, I should say, Bryce Young coming back at quarterback. Heisman hopeful and potentially Heisman favorite Will Anderson at outside linebacker, one of the best defenders we've seen in recent memory. No reason this team can't go 15-0 and and probably shouldn't even necessarily be expected to go 15-0 and and be the national champions. Worst case scenario, guys, it's going to sound crazy for me to say this. It sounds crazy to say this is a worst case scenario for any football team. But this Alabama team has too much returning talent, has too much promise to do anything worse than 14-1. and This team is not going to lose a regular season game in my mind. If they drop a game, it is going to be either in the conference championship game, the playoff, or... The national championship game. So I guess in that case, you're talking worst case scenario of 12-1 and plus maybe your playoff games if they make it in as a second conference team. I'm saying their worst case scenario is 14-1 and losing in the Natty. I do not see Alabama losing a game until at the very least the playoff Maybe the conference championship, depending on how you know their their opponent looks in that. Presumably Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, one of those three. Again, fourteen and one, I think, is the bottom floor for Alabama. I don't see them losing more than a game, and I think that game is deep into the postseason if it happens at all. So X factor for this team, you could look a lot of different directions. I think everybody would go off the top of their head, probably to a guy like potentially Jermaine Burton, who came in with high expectations and should be the bona fide wide receiver one for Alabama, replacing Williams and John Mechie. 
You could look at Will Anderson, who's going to have probably a historic season at defensive end. I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up more than 20 sacks this year. But I'm not talking about best player. I'm talking about X factor. I'm talking about somebody that needs to be a difference maker in order to take this team to the next level. Maybe a sleeper on this team who not many people are expecting. For that, I'm taking sophomore wide receiver Ja'Cory Brooks. Struggled at times last year to fill in those gaps when Mechie and Williams went down, but showed a lot of promise, made some really electric plays, even in the SEC championship game. And Alabama is going to need a bona fide wide receiver, too. If Jermaine Burton's going to be the number one, he's got to have somebody to take pressure off of him. And I think Ja'Cory Brooks can be that guy. Bryce Young needs more than one reliable target. If you didn't catch that in the national championship game, I don't know when you're going to catch it. Bryce Young is going to need more than one serious option. I think Burton's going to be his number one. Who's going to be his number two after Ajaya Hall transferred to Texas? I think Ja'Cory Brooks is the guy that steps up. So... All that said, my prediction for Alabama right now at this point in the offseason, 15-0, national champs. I don't see anything going wrong with this. I see this as being one of the best college football teams of all time, rivaling 2019 LSU. Moving on to number two, Ohio State. Best case scenario for them, I see very similar to Alabama. Maybe they catch a stroke of luck, hit 15-0, national champs. They've got the returning production to do it. They've got Zach Harrison on defense. They've got a young stud in Jack Sawyer at defensive end as well. Could have a formidable pass rush, but really all you got to do is look at the offense to see why this team is so dangerous. C.J. Stroud, I think, is the best quarterback in the country. Fight me on that if you will, but he's at least top two. You got Jackson Smith and Jigba coming back at receiver, not to mention the best wide receiver core by recruiting statistics in college football, potentially in college football history. You've got like 10 five stars at wide receiver alone. You got Travion Henderson at running back, who is easily a top five running back, could compete for that number one running running back spot. That offense is going to be absolutely electric and could run them to a 15-0 championship run. Again, looking like one of the best teams in history. But this is Ohio State. They do have a tendency to slip up when they shouldn't. I see the bottom line for them being 11-2 with losses to Notre Dame and Michigan and a New Year's Six Bowl win. Now, I don't predict this to happen whatsoever, but you come out with a lot of expectations on you, big game to open the season. Something that could happen is that you drop a game to Notre Dame in the opener. That doesn't end your season right there. You can still win the Big Ten. You can still sneak into the playoff. But that game against Michigan this year is going to be a big one. Harbaugh is riding his momentum from last year. It's late in the season. They'll have an established starting quarterback, one of J.J. McCarthy or Cade McNamara in all likelihood. They could win that game. Again, this is a worst-case scenario for Ohio State. They dropped those two games. So going to the X factor for Ohio State, again, you could point to any number of players, Julian Fleming, Jack Sawyer. Um, You could really point to Jackson Smith and Jigba needing to have a Heisman candidate type of season at receiver to fulfill the potential that this team has. But... If I'm looking for a true X factor, it's got to be defensive end Zach Harrison. Like I said, C.J. Stroud and the best wide receiving core in college football are going to be fine. There's going to be no issue on the offensive front. Trayvon Henderson's going to shred defenses. Not a problem. What Ohio State needs is improvement on the defensive side of the ball, and that starts with a menace on the defensive line a la Chase Young, like Ohio State had a couple years ago in their heyday. They need a defensive force getting after the passer. Zach Harrison could be that guy. Jack Sawyer could also be that guy, but a little bit younger. Zach Harrison needs to live up to the hype. He's been there a few years now. 
if he can turn it on, if he can have not even a Chase Young type season, but the elite type season that people have been expecting him to have, then this Ohio State team can go far. My prediction for Ohio State, 13-2. and I do think they're going to find a way to drop some regular season game that they shouldn't lose, still going to win the Big Ten, still going to win their playoff game, and then losing the Natty to Alabama. I just don't think anybody can beat Alabama this year. All told, not a bad year for Ohio State, but I know it would leave fans disappointed. Moving on to UGA. Best case scenario for the preseason coaches poll number three team UGA, I have it 14-1 and and national champions. I say 14-1 and because it is so hard for a team to go undefeated. Georgia had not done it, has not done it, since I believe the 80s, if they've ever done it. And I, I hate to not know that off the top of my head, but it is so, so hard to even go undefeated in the regular season. Especially for Georgia, you look over the years where they lose games here and there that they shouldn't. Tend to make it back on track, but I just don't see any way they get through the season unscathed playing teams like Oregon to open the season. Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, all much improved teams. Trap game against Mississippi State on the road, who returns a lot of experience. I think 14-1 and is a very reasonable best-case scenario for Georgia. Catch a little fire in a bottle towards the end of the season, potentially win that national championship. Worst-case scenario, again, doomsday-type scenario, Georgia goes 10-3. and They open up the season and lose to Oregon and then lose to two out of, like I said, Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, and then win the Citrus Bowl. Again, not what I expect to happen, but we are talking worst-case scenario. Georgia could definitely come out of the gate slow against a really good Oregon team, like I said, who has Bo Nix, who has a lot of familiarity with Georgia as an opponent. I think they could drop that game and then really get down on themselves heading into the meat of their schedule. It's a tough SEC slate with Kentucky, Tennessee, and South Carolina all improving it on the come up. You could see a 10-3 worst-case scenario. My X factor for Georgia, I, you could say it's going to be one of the two linebackers, Jamon Demos Johnson, Xavier Sori, or Smile Munden, but to me, it's going to have to be Tyke Smith. Tyke Smith was the best safety slot corner combo in the nation at West Virginia two years ago. Transferred to Georgia last offseason, missed the whole season with an ACL, but Georgia needs Tyke Smith to return to form to support Keely Ringo, Chris Smith, and the rest of the defensive backcourt after losing Lewis Seen and having promise but no real proven depth at corner. Tyke Smith needs to step in and play a role as an elite safety and an elite slot corner. He's going to have to go up against the best slot receivers and the best tight ends from the other team. He's going to have to play fast and physical, and he's going to have to have a great season for this Georgia team to go as far as they can. Georgia loses so much production on the defensive side of the ball from Jordan Davis all the way to Nicobe Dean, Channing Tindall, Quay Walker. You lose a lot of solid starters. Even Darian Kendrick and, like I said, Lewis Seen, you're losing a lot on that defensive side of the ball. You need a big player to step up and surprise a lot of people this season. I think Tyke Smith needs to be that guy. My prediction for Georgia this year, again, 14-1 best case, 10-3 worst case. My prediction, 12-2, that they do drop one of those regular season games and the SEC championship, miss out on the playoff, and win the Sugar Bowl. That's how I see Georgia's season going. Again, would probably be a disappointment for a lot of Georgia fans, but after all the talent you lose this year, I'm a Georgia fan as well. Let me tell you guys, it would not be a bad season for us whatsoever. Moving on to number four, we've got Clemson again, and a bit of a surprise after a down year last year, but I do think they have a bounce back. 
Clemson's best case scenario, I think, is 15-0 national champions. They play in a weak conference in the ACC. They should go 12-0. They should win the ACC at 13-0. And then it only matters. All you have to do at that point is go 2-0, win it out. Do I think it's going to happen? No. But best case scenario is they take advantage of a weak conference and they go into the playoffs healthy like they did for so many years under Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. Maybe not Deshaun. Yeah, Deshaun Watson as well. They played with him in the playoff. Sorry, mumbling out loud now. So, 15-0, best case scenario. Worst case scenario, very similar to Georgia. You go 10-3. and You lose competitive games to Notre Dame, Miami, and South Carolina, who are all teams, well, Miami and South Carolina, teams on the come up, and you win your bowl game. What that looks like for a Clemson fan, I don't know. Are you happy with that? Are you disappointed in that? I don't think that after the precedent set by the Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson era that you're happy with that. I think that's worst case scenario, but 10-3 and is not a bad season. X factor for this team, you could go a few different directions here, but honestly, at the end of the day, sometimes the best answer is the obvious answer. It's DJ Uyunglele at quarterback. The defense should, again, be lights out. You return Miles Murphy. Brian Bersitti comes back from a torn ACL. One of the best linebackers in the country in Trenton Simpson. I don't have a lot of concerns about the defense. The offensive line is a point of concern, but that's more of a unit than it is one individual. And Clemson can't win without offense. You saw that last season. Clemson cannot be an elite team if they don't have a 30 to 35 point per game minimum offense. Now, DJ Lingalele comes into the season, high expectations to bounce back, and this year his job is on the line with five-star quarterback Cade Klubnik on campus, on the roster. I think he's on a short leash. Dabo has said that DJ is his guy. I believe him, and I'm actually kind of on Team Dabo here. I think DJ got a bad rap last year. I think it was a growing season for him. I think he had a bad offensive line, and a lot of things went wrong for Clemson that weren't necessarily on him, but he's got a bit of a prove-it year, so DJ's got to step up. He's their X factor to me. My prediction for Clemson is that they do absolutely blow through the ACC, bounce back to form, go 12-0, win the ACC, and then lose their playoff game. I see them going 13-1, losing in the playoff. Again, not a bad season for a team like Clemson. You've got to learn to manage expectations unless you're Alabama. Coming in at number five, like I said, a bit of a shocker to me, Notre Dame is coming in at number five in the coaches poll. I'm really not sure where this is coming from. You're breaking in a new quarterback. You're breaking in a new head coach. I know you returned some solid playmakers at running back and on the defense, but I just don't see enough to rank them in the top five right now, especially ahead of teams like Utah, who returns a lot of experience. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but since we're sitting here, we're gonna we're gonna dive into it. We're gonna break it down as the coaches poll sits. I see their best case scenario as eleven and two. I see them going eleven and one in the regular season, losing to Ohio State. I don't think there's any way they win that game week one. Eleven and one, make the playoff and lose. It's Notre Dame's bread and butter formula. It's what they did for two or three years in a row several years ago. That's their best case scenario. This team is not winning a playoff game. They're not winning a championship. 11 and 2, that's their peak. Worst case scenario, again, there's not a huge spread here. You know how to manage expectations, if nothing else, if you're a Notre Dame fan. Worst case scenario is you're 9 and 3. You got very winnable games on your schedule, and then you drop a game to a high state to open the season. You drop a game to a superior Clemson team, and USC comes on hot. You play them towards the end of the season. They've got a lot of promise this year. You lose to USC. 9 and 3. I think that's the worst-case scenario for them. X-Factor on this team, this is a little bit of a cop-out, but 
It's going to be how does Marcus Freeman, Freeman, sorry, Marcus Freeman, doing his first year as head coach. You could point to Tyler Beckner as an X factor starting at quarterback, replacing Jack Cohn from last year. But I think it's more important that Marcus Freeman comes out, sets a precedent, establishes himself as the leader of this football team, and cements himself as a top head coach for not just this season, but for recruiting and for seasons beyond this one. I think he's the X factor this year for Notre Dame, one of the great young coaches in college football, or he should be. And I think he was a great hire. I think he was a perfect hire for Notre Dame. I'm a big Marcus Freeman fan, but he's really going to have to show out this season if Notre Dame wants to have a good season this year and going forward to sustain success. Because what Brian Kelly did, as much as you may hate him, I don't love him either, what Brian Kelly did was impressive for Notre Dame. And to get to move away from that, to go away from tried and true success, even if you haven't been able to break through to the next level, is a risk. And Marcus Freeman's going to have to live up to that risk. So that rounds out our top five. Oh, sorry, my prediction for Notre Dame. I see him going 11-2. and two. I do think they lose to Ohio State and Clemson, make a New Year's Six or comparable bowl game, and end up winning it. I think it's a very standard season for Notre Dame. I think it goes basically as expected for them. Lose a pretty tough game to Ohio State to open the year. Have a hard-fought one with Clemson later in the season that Clemson ends up taking. You go to a New Year's Six Bowl or you go to a comparable big bowl game. You win it. You go in next year with playoff aspirations again. It's the cycle of Notre Dame. That's what I see happening, 11-2. and two. So now that rounds out our top five with best case, worst case, prediction, and X factors for each team. You guys let me know what you think. Drop me a comment. You guys all have my contact information. Let me know what you think. I think that's a solid top five. Again, I don't love Notre Dame at five, but I'll allow it for now. It's just a coach's poll. I'd rather do this for the AP poll, but we're trying to get some content out in the lead up to the offseason, and I was really excited to look at this segment and see what we got going on here. So... Moving on now to our Betting with Becker segment, inaugural Betting with Becker segment that I'm hoping to get in weekly or every other week, depending on how often my boy can get these out. Like I said, this is not gambling advice. This is not betting advice. Don't take any of this to heart. Don't take any of this seriously. That's my disclaimer. But it's really interesting how all of these lines work and looking at them and looking at them as a fan and as a... I don't want to say intelligent college football watcher necessarily, but an informed college football watcher, an informed college football fan, and seeing what we think about these lines, seeing what we think about how teams are going to do versus what Vegas projects them to do. So, favorite bets for week one in this week's Betting with Becker segment. We've got Ohio State minus 14.5 over Notre Dame. I like this one too. Becker and I are on the same page here. Notre Dame's got a new coach, they've got a new quarterback. They're facing a top-two team. Notre Dame is doomed. This is a 20-plus point win for Ohio State. Maybe not 20-plus, but 17-24 to feels right to me. 14.5 is a generous spread, especially given Notre Dame is now a top-five team. I get it. I just think Ohio State is one of the elite teams. Notre Dame's a little overrated, and there's a bigger gap between that number three and that number five than I think most think there is. Next one, Arkansas minus seven over Cincinnati. I like this call. Cincinnati is coming off of a huge season. First group of five team to ever make the playoff. Desmond Ritter, excellent season. Jerome Ford, excellent season. Had a lot of success on and off the field if you're Cincinnati. I think they get a bit of a playoff hangover here. 
and more importantly, experience wins out in this case. Arkansas returns a lot of production on offense and defense. Sam Pittman coming into his third year as an established head coach. You've got K.J. Jefferson coming back at quarterback. He should be a top 10 to 15 quarterback. Cincinnati has to replace Desmond Ritter at quarterback. I think experience wins out here. Minus seven, I do think Arkansas will win by more than a touchdown. I like that call here. Next one, we've got Utah minus two over Florida, expecting Utah to cover that. Really stingy of the odds makers here to hold a top 10 preseason team in Utah as less than a field goal favorite over an unranked team with a new coach and a lot of questions around their culture. Doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but I will say, as a Georgia fan, as an SEC fan, that's just the power of the SEC. It's a dominant conference, and even in a rebuilding year for an average at best SEC team, they're only a two-point underdog over a top 10 team from the Pac-12. I don't know if that says more about the SEC or the Pac-12, but it says a lot about both. And I don't necessarily think this game is going to be a blowout. I don't see a 17 to 20 point win, but Utah is going to win this game by more than a field goal. So a little too stingy there for me from the odds makers. I agree with Becker on that one. Looking at some good value now before we wrap things up. These aren't necessarily his favorite bets or my favorite bets, but places where you could find some value to looking at these matchups. First off, you have Penn State minus three over Purdue. I could see Purdue upsetting in this game, but if Penn State wins, and they should win, it won't be by a field goal. Penn State is just too powerful a program, I think, to lose to Purdue in week one. I've been surprised before, but minus three, again, that's basically a push. I see this as at least a touchdown game for them. One of the biggest matchups of week one, moving on from that, is Oregon versus Georgia in Atlanta. This is a huge, huge game for both sides. For Oregon, former Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning is making his debut as Oregon's head coach in Georgia territory. For Georgia, they're coming off their first national championship in 41 years with some pretty high expectations in their home city. Okay, an hour outside their home city. This should be a home game atmosphere for Georgia. Do they have a championship hangover? Do they have a success hangover? This game right now is at plus 17.5, meaning Georgia is projected to win by 18 or more points. That's generous to me. Oregon returns an experienced quarterback in Bo Nix who is familiar with Georgia as an opponent. Remember, for the past three years, he started at Auburn and played against Georgia three times. He knows how that system works. Also, Georgia loses too much talent on offense and defense to win a top 15 matchup in week one by more than two touchdowns. I don't see this playing out any other way than a one-possession game to a 10-point game. Somewhere from 3 to 10 seems right. I get that Georgia's top three team, on paper, they're the much better team than Oregon. There's a lot more that goes into this than just the players on the field. I think this is a much closer game than people think this turns out to be. So, moving on from that one, we've got a couple more 
you know, throwaway games. We've got Ole Miss against Troy, minus 21. I think Lane Dart or uh, Lane Kiffin and Jackson Dart are liable to put up 60-plus points in that game. The only question I have is whether or not the defense can hold Troy to less than three touchdowns. They should be able to, but who knows? That's three fluke plays. Maybe it happens, but I absolutely think Ole Miss puts up at least 60 points in this game. Minus 21 the spread for that one. Clemson minus 20 over Georgia Tech. I think this is one of the smartest ones. I think Becker made a great point here. Clemson is out to make a statement against one of the Power Five's worst teams. Clemson needs to have a bounce back here. They need to set the tone out of the gate, especially after the type of game they had to open the season against Georgia last year. They need to set the tone this year. Doing it against one of the worst coaches, bar none, at Jeff Collins, and one of the worst teams in college football at Georgia Tech. I just don't see this going very well for Georgia Tech. I think 20 is, it sounds funny to say that 20 is stingy, but Georgia Tech lost their best player in Jameer Gibbs this offseason. I don't see a whole lot of promise for that team against a top five opponent in Clemson. And then moving on, our last pick, West Virginia plus seven against Pitt. I think West Virginia goes for the outright win in the SoCal Flight Bowl the tr- the battle of the transfers, JT Daniels versus Keaton Slovis. I am not that high on Pittsburgh and Slovis. I am that high on JT Daniels. Anybody who knows me knows that. I wish JT Daniels was still a dog. I don't know that he'll necessarily have, I-, I know that he won't necessarily have the supporting cast around him at West Virginia that he did at Georgia, but that doesn't change the kind of player and the kind of person that JT Daniels is. I think he's a hard worker. I think he's going to study. I think he's going to do his work this offseason. I think he's going to elevate that team around him. I like West Virginia to upset Pitt. I think that's a good play. So that's a wrap on our Betting with Becker, inaugural Betting with Becker segment. Like I said, hope to have these coming up weekly or every other week just to give you guys a little taste of what we talk about in our group chats, what we uh, what we talk about in the, or I guess not in the offseason, in the regular season. And like I said, as an informed college football fan, how these matchups play versus what the odds makers think they look like. So really excited for that segment as well and excited to get back with you guys weekly on Run the Damn Pod. Appreciate y'all tuning in as always. Stick with us through the offseason. And as always, like, subscribe, follow. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I go through Buzzsprout. You can always listen on Buzzsprout. And then run the blog, cfb.com. Follow the blog. We'll be posting content on there throughout the season as well. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in, and go dogs.